Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm going to read verse 12, 13, and 14. So that's Hebrews chapter 9, 12, 13, and 14. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without a spot to God. Again, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from the dead works and serve the living God? Years ago, um, before this church was built, uh, I was a member of the Hendersonville Sabbath School in the kindergarten and primary department. Um, I wasn't old enough to be baptized and an official member, but I was a member of the Hendersonville Church. My grandmother lived just to the south and a little bit west of here, and she had no car, so we drove from West Asheville here to get her for, for Sabbath school and church. So some of you will remember the little rock church that was on the southwest part of town. It was a very special place for us growing up. This morning, I've chosen to share with you a message. Thank God for the roosters and donkeys. Now that may sound like a strange barnyard story, but it's not a barnyard story. It just involves some barnyard animals. What I would like to share with you today are in four parts. What it's like to hear God's will, the ways that God speaks to us, what it means to follow God's will, and this relates to the training of our conscience. Then, when we follow God's will, God sends messages of warning. And finally, when we've gone too far, the sin that can't be forgiven. So let's look at these very quickly. This is a little bit of Bible 101 for, for many of you. God speaks to us through his word in general. As the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. We memorized that as, as children in Sabbath school. Number two, Jesus, or God speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the living exemplar of God's word. He is the word made flesh. John 1, verse, four, verse 1 and verse 14 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus explains what love is. He helps us understand the Scriptures by His living it out. 
God also speaks to us through nature and his creation as we see the beauty that is all around us, the, even in, even in the, the fall season when leaves, and, uh, leaves are dying and dropping off, he gives, them the, gives in them the beautiful color that people travel from around the world to see here. The heavens themselves declare God's glory. Psalm 19. He is the creator and his thumbprint is all over it. God speaks to us through other believers. As we pray together, as we talk to each other, as we encourage one another, God speaks through believers. As Paul admonished the believers, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Listen to other believers and what they share. God speaks to us through music, like this song. And it's especially meaningful because of the words that, it, that are associated with that tune. Some of us will understand what it means to have a song in the night. If you read through, through the Psalms, it often refers to a, psalm in, a song in the night. That's the song that ministers to your heart. It's the song that lifts you up. It's the one that, that reassures you of God's presence and his care. As, as David wrote in Psalm 77, verse, eight, or verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. My song in the night is a little tune. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Many of you know that. Many nights when I went home after a board meeting, I sang that song. Whatever the challenge, God has the answer. God speaks to us through circumstances. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand. We have no explanation for. God is at work, and later, maybe we understand. I'm reminded of the story of, of a missionary, Pastor Anderson, who was trying to get back. He had gone, into, gone for supplies some distance with an ox cart there in Africa, and he was trying to get back across the river before sunset, and he was pushing the animals hard to get there, and as they got to the river, the ferryman, to take them across, had just hung it, hung it up and tethered his boat for the night, moored it. And Pastor Anderson asked him, then urged him, please get us across, we need, to be, we need to get on down, headed back to the mission post. And the Mormon would not do as, as requested. Pa uh, the missionary, Pastor Anderson, used some rather strong, if not harsh words with him but he was resolute and would not go. They spent the night on the wrong side of the river and the next morning took the ferry across and made their way, but not too far up the road. They came to the camp of some other travelers and there were only bones and fragments of those who had been the last passengers because where they would have camped, the lions had come. Pastor Anderson made his way back to the Mormon and thanked him and apologized 
for not, uh, for having misspoken and spoken so harshly. God works and speaks to us through circumstances. He also speaks to us through his spirit, that still small voice. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk this way. God still works with us. And of course, he speaks to us when we are praying. We often, uh, I, I recall a specific time when I was praying, had asked for uh, patience, stood up from prayer and realized I got up too soon. I needed to stay there and ask more for patience. So these are the ways, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but these are the ways that God speaks to us. Now, what, ha what befalls us at this time is the training of our conscience to follow God's will. James describes the dilemma right here in James 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks at the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This is the one who will be blessed in what he does. So we need to hear, and then comes the application. How do we do it? What do we do to follow? You may have heard that this statement by Ogley, conscience is the voice of God in the soul. And rightly trained, it is. Now, you've probably also heard this statement, just follow your conscience. Again, that's great advice if our conscience is trained according to the Word of God. Uh, it's the, the little Disney character, Jiminy Cricket, who says, always let your conscience be your guide. Again, if it is a conscience that is trained by God, if it is directed according to the Word of God. Paul wrote, or uh, Paul spoke this before the king, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. That's found in Acts 24, verse 16. And again, writing to the Hebrews, he said, Solid food belongs to those who are, of, who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's a trained conscience. We can rely on that because we have learned God's word and he can use those scriptures to direct us, to convict us, to affirm us in a path. He also wrote to young Timothy, speaking about those who didn't have their conscience trained, our conscience can be damaged if it is not followed according to God's word. And he speaks of those who are speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Think of putting your hand on the hot element of a stove when you hear th this verse. How would you like your brain, your conscience, that sensitive part that discerns God's will, scarred, seared? 
And he also wrote to Titus, to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is purer, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. This is a true statement. A conscience without God is like a court without a judge. It's just wide open. It is also said that the softest pillow is a clear conscience. If we toss and turn at night, it might be because our conscience isn't real clear. Uh, I prayed often that the Lord would give me a clear conscience. You see, I have, I have the, I can't call it a habit. I can only say it's, I have the, I don't even want to call it a practice. I'll just put it this way. I talk in my sleep. And according to Cindy, prodigiously. She said, I often entertained her. But I prayed, Lord, please give me a clean heart. Because, you know, when you're sleeping, you don't have any control over <laughs> what might be said. So I always wanted a pure heart. When we don't follow God's will, does God abandon us? No, he gives us warning. What is this little device that is showing on the, on the screen? A dash. It's an indicator of what is and what is not happening, what is safe and what isn't safe. This means there's low pressure in your tire, and you better check that out. Don't let it, don't let it continue. And this? The charging system is not functioning correctly. It might be your battery, it might be your alternator. Or, and this one, your seat belt is not fastened. And this one, you will listen to. I, I can assure you, when that little ding comes on, find a spot where you can get some gasoline. Your conscience and mine needs to be trained so that when God convicts us, we respond to him. In the story of Jesus being confronted with the, the woman caught in adultery, you remember he wrote in the sand something, and it must have been something that, that triggered their conscience because it said, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. There had been some work of training, and we referred to this verse earlier. Sometimes we picture the, the battle between right and wrong as two imps on our shoulders, or an imp and an angel on our shoulder, really that goes on in our heart in a, and in our mind. Now, am I saying that there isn't a battle, that there are not others that are involved? Yes, we are in a great controversy, and there is nothing that Satan would rather have happen than that we are influenced to choose wrong. And there are angels of God who work in our hearts and lives. But we are not always going to find a sign as we go down life's pathway that say this is the right way and this is the wrong way. We need to learn God's will and we need to be discerning of, of his warnings. And this is the challenge that we face. As James wrote in chapter 1 verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Sadly, there are desires in our hearts that pull us in one way or another, and we need to, to align those with God's will. 
You will find all kinds of warnings as, as you walk through life. Uh, perhaps you've walked into an office and, and at the front, if it's been raining at the front, there is a sign that says, caution, wet floors. You need to, to pay attention to that or you might end, it, end up on it. Or a railroad crossing or a smoke alarm. I like this one that you see in the lower right corner. How many of you have been through Waldo? Do you, know, do you know where Waldo is? It's on Highway 301 in North Florida, and it was such a speed trap. It, it would go like from 55, 45, 35, 25, just chink, 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 chink. And if you did not heed that, there was someone waiting to welcome you to Waldo. In fact, they delighted in welcoming you. It kept the city coffers full. It was such a speed trap that AAA erected this warning ahead of time, outside of town. David wrote this, Psalm 119, verses 67 and 68. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. We hadn't even moved into our house. We were occupying it. The, the furniture was to come uh, the next day. And I was in a hurry. I had gotten the license plates for our cars, and I was in a hurry to get home. And this car was slow. And when it finally moved out of the way, I could move a little faster. And I had no more than done that than beside the road was someone to welcome me. I pulled over and... Uh, he said, are you in a hurry? And I, <laughs> that was obvious. He said, we'd like to keep our, our citizens safe here. Do you think that you could keep it in line? I said, thank you, sir, I will. And he let me go with a warning. I will tell you, that warning was effective. I don't go through that town beyond the speed limit. It, in fact, I think my car knows it. This is an appropriate prayer as we trans. Uh, trans our transition through life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is an invitation for God to have free access to our heart, our thoughts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God loves to guide us in the right path if we will let him. And uh, Paul reassures us, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows, and if we will listen, he will help us, he will put us in the right path. Romans chapter 14 speaks of, of the conscience in an, in an interesting way that we need to give liberty to others whom, whose conscience may not be where ours is or ours may not be where theirs is. Don't make big deals of small matters, it's basically saying. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God 
Therefore, let us not judge another, uh, one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way, or a cause to fall in our brother's way. That whole chapter is, is calling on us to respect others' conscience. I, I faced a situation at one point with a pastor whose conscience would not uh, his, would not let him go in a specific way. And the church wanted to go a different way. There is a challenge. I can never, or I should never, press on someone to do something against their conscience. That's a very sacred area. We need to respect what God is doing in someone else's conscience. But we also need to heed what he's doing in ours so that we walk with him. The last point deals with what happens when we have gone too far, when we ignore those warnings, when we walk past the challenge. Matthew chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus spoke some very strong words. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. However, we receive God's message through his word, through Jesus Christ, through circumstances, music, the Holy Spirit. If we resist that communication, if we disregard the warnings that God gives, it becomes more difficult for us to receive them to the point that we are numb to it. I've, I've heard people talk of living beside the railroad tracks, and I'm a, I'm a train aficionado, and I th my thought is, oh, I would love to hear that, the train going by. Some people don't like it as much, and they even come, have come to the point that they don't hear it when it goes by. We can so tune things out. You know that this little device is a nice connectivity, but you can, you can reach places where the bars stop dropping and drop off entirely and you can't receive any messages at all. It's entirely possible and sadly is the case that if we continue disregarding the Holy Spirit, we come to a point where we can no longer hear Him and we're unresponsive to his directions. Such was the case, a gentleman by the name of Balaam. And I'd like to share two stories here. You know him from, from probably from Sabbath school days. Balaam was renowned as a prophet of God. We don't know about a lot about his earlier life, but we, we encounter the story in Numbers where the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. They are nearing the promised land. They have overtaken two kingdoms and the next country or kingdom in, in the, what seems to be their line of progress is the kingdom of Balak. Balak is worried he will be the next kingdom to fall and he calls on this prophet of God, Balaam, to come and curse the Israelites. 
Balaam, uh, an emissary, is sent to Balaam. He says, well, I have to talk to God first and see if that's okay. And he prays to God that night, and God says, nah, you're not, uh, these are my people. You're not to curse them. So Balaam tells the, the emissary that. They go back to Balak, and Balak King Balak is upset with this and he thinks well I just didn't offer enough uh, a reward for his coming he sends a second uh, emissary a group of individuals they ask Balaam to come they offer him rewards and and, uh, funds Balaam says prophet Balaam says I need to go ask God what did Balaam need to ask God Hadn't God already given him an answer? There is, our, there is part of our challenge when we ask God for something and he says no and we, but God, please? And here's Balaam. Now, what we find in scripture is that if God says, if they call on you, you may, you may go. And there's a little bit of additional information if you look in the book Patriarchs and Prophets. From what we understand there, they, the emissary said, oh, here we go on the same round again. He's just stringing us along. They left, and when Balaam gets up early in the morning, they're already on their way. And he hurries to catch up with them. He gets his donkey. They are going, they're on the way. They're headed to, to Balak because God has given him permission. But remember, it was if. And there was that, that if was not supplied. As they're going along, the donkey pushes uh, out of the path into the field, and Balaam is in a hurry. He beats his donkey to try to hurry him along. They, they get him back on the path, and they come along, and it's a little bit narrow, and the donkey gets over too near the wall. It scrapes Balaam. He is upset beats the donkey again, and then it comes to a point where the, where the donkey will not go forward at all. He just drops, and Balaam is livid. There, there is his fortune on the line here. He ca- he's got to catch up with these people, and his donkey is totally uncooperative, uncooperative, and he beats this, and then occurs probably the strangest communication in Scripture. Balaam is giving the what for to his donkey, and the donkey says, why are you beating me? Because you, and he goes off on what has happened and all of the failings, and the donkey says, well, have I ever treated you this way before? I, I have concluded there were two donkeys in that scene. I'll leave it there. It is at this point that the eyes of Balaam are open to see what the donkey saw all alone, all, all along, the angel of the Lord. And the, and the Lord says, Balaam, if your donkey hadn't stopped you, I would have used the sword on you. And Balaam says, oh, if you didn't want me to go, why didn't you tell me? Do we ever get in that situation where we chase our desire, our dream, to the point past God's warnings, 
and then we're ready to say, well, God, if you didn't want me to, why didn't you tell me? The sad story is, now, let me, let me point this out. It, the term used here, it is the angel of the Lord. And typically, when we hear that phrase, it is a statement that it is Christ himself in the form of an angel, a theophany. It was the angel of the Lord that met with Gideon. It was the angel of the Lord that wrestled with Jacob. Jesus himself comes to interrupt this wayward, willful prophet who has lost his way. And the sad story is it's not enough because even though Balaam goes and he is restrained by God from cursing them and blesses the children of Israel, after that fiasco, Balaam instructs King Balak how to make the Israelites succumb, and it's by, by seducing them by immoral, in immoral actions. And in the fight that, that ensues, Balaam loses his own life, a lost prophet of God. It's a sad story when we allow something else to influence us instead of what God's Spirit leads us. There's another story, this one in the New Testament. A little bit different ending. Peter has been warned by Christ that he will deny his Savior. As they are walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gives very explicit warnings to Peter. Peter, before the, uh, Peter says, Lord, I, I'll go with you even to death. I'll die with you. Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you, uh, twice, you will deny me three times. Oh, no, Lord, never. I, that's, you've got the wrong impression of me, Lord. But the scene unfolds, and Christ is taken by the mob. Peter follows somewhat fearfully in the, in the distance, and someone says, hey, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? Oh, no, no, you've got me mixed up with somebody else. Twice he denies Christ, and the rooster crows. Peter still doesn't catch it. He's confronted again by one of the, the servants and says, uh, your speech betrays you, you do belong to him. Peter launches into a tirade of, of epithets and, and uh, cursing. The rooster crows again, and Peter now hears that warning. Three denials too late. And he goes out bitterly weeping, bitterly weeping. He realizes he has denied the very best friend, his, his Savior, his Lord, and he's crushed by it. But thankfully, he heard the warning and Jesus restores Peter. Even when we have chosen a wrong path, even when we've pursued it, if we are willing to hear God, God's warning, his, his ministry to our heart, he will restore our hearts. As was read in the scripture lesson this morning, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience, my conscience, from dead works to serve the living God? I am thankful 
that we have a God who will pursue us to the uttermost to save us. Even when we have been willful, He pursues us if we will hear Him, if we will yield to Him and acknowledge our wrong. So the invitation is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So my question for you this morning, now this afternoon, is are you listening for the roosters and the donkeys? Sometimes we are annoyed by the warnings that others give us or that we read in Scripture. But I want to tell you, they are God's gifts to you and to me. They are God's gifts to keep us on the right path. The words of Scripture, the life of Christ, a hymn that we may remember from childhood, May, God may send that to us in our hearts and minds at just the right point to keep us from going the wrong way or to call us back when we have gone the wrong way. I am at the point where I am thankful for the roosters and the donkeys that God sends because they are God's Holy Spirit working in, in my life and in yours. Better still, are you listening for the still small voice to follow God's will and His way? He longs to have us. He will go to the uttermost as He did with Balaam, as He did with, with Peter, so with us. He's wanting to call us to Himself in a path of right. Thank God for the roosters and donkeys.